Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to our morning service, whether you're here in person in the building or whether you're watching online, uh, maybe from home or even from holiday, who knows where it may be. Um, if you're a visitor or a newcomer here this morning, it's great to have you with us. A very warm welcome to you. Uh, do please stay behind afterwards for some refreshments. It'd be great to uh, get to know you over a cup of, uh, cup of coffee. A number of people are away at the moment on holiday, and uh, some of us have been away this past week up at the Keswick Convention, which was a great week, uh, despite the weather. And uh, we're going to hear from a couple of people from uh, later on about their reflections on the week that's, that's been. Uh, this morning, we're continuing in our sermon series on the story of Joseph from the book of Genesis, which is teaching us a lot about God's faithfulness towards uh, his people, how he works through our mistakes and our failings to bring about his good plans for us. And so unlike us who are not trustworthy or reliable, uh, we can trust God in all things. We can trust him above all when he says that he will forgive us for our sins, and we know that he means that. So let's come to him now at the start of our service, and let's confess our sins and ask for his forgiveness. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your promise that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just, and because of Jesus' sacrifice for us, you will forgive us our sins. And so we're sorry where we've been unfaithful to you this past week, and instead of trusting in you and your good instructions for us in your word, we've done things our way, and we thought we've known better. We're sorry where we valued other things more than you and where we've put our own needs before the needs of others. Forgive us, we pray. Thank you that you are a faithful God, and you've promised that despite our failings, you will never leave us nor forsake us. Help us this morning to understand more of your faithfulness, and to understand that in Jesus you have provided for us all that we can possibly need. In his name we pray. Amen. So, um, yeah, last week a group of I think it was about 45 of us went up to Keswick, including a dozen or so children and, and young people. We had a great time. Um, it's really encouraging to meet with others and just have time together. Um, oldest person in the group was uh, Thelma. Um, the youngest one, I think, was probably Holly, wasn't it? Um, but uh, we're going to bring up Jaden as well. He's one of the young people who was there. And we're going to hear their reflections, different perspectives from different ages. So if um, the two of you would like to come up. And um, I haven't got the mic here. I think, um, Colin, do you want to grab the mic off Helen? And we'll take it back to her afterwards. She's doing the, the reading. Um, so, um, Jaden, let's uh, ask you first. I think this was your, your first time in Keswick. Is that right? Yes. Um, tell us about your reflections of the week. What did you enjoy about it? What was, what was good for you? What did you... I en- well, I enjoyed a lot the walking because it was new. It was new terrain and I wasn't really used to it so it was great fun walking up mountains and just spending time with the church family I guess mm-hmm. great and anything else from the week for the youth groups and uh, the... um, well I enjoyed learning about the book of Genesis and the book of Hebrews because um, I got to learn more about what the Lord does in our hearts and I got to learn as well what how well he created this world yeah. Brilliant, thank you. It was great having Jaden and the other people and just having that time walking together and doing things together, wasn't it? Um, and also being in a house together. Thelma, uh, wasn't your first time. When was the last time you went to, to Keswick, if you want to? It was my fourth term, actually. Fourth I've been 
three previous times during my long life. So, oh, sorry. I hope, I hope you can hear me. I'm not used to this. Yes. So it was, it was lovely to be back, though. Yeah. So the first time you went was how long ago? Uh, I first went in 1964, which well, is before right. most of you were born, I'm right, sure. It's a long time ago. <laughs> I was in um, my 20s at the time, and I went with a, a group from my church at Wellin in Hertfordshire. Yeah. And that was a special time for you, I think, wasn't it? Tell well, us it why that was. It was a special time, um, yes. Um, I had been thinking and praying. The Lord had been speaking to me about possible service overseas, but I hadn't come to any re- real decision about it. <clears throat> but on the panel, oh, yes, the Catholic Convention was just one week long in those days. And on the penultimate day, um, there was a, a, a big missionary meeting. And an appeal was given to those who were prepared to go as abroad to stand. And I, <laughs> I just felt it was time for me to, to declare I was prepared to go. And um, I, so I stood, and quite, quite a lot of other people stood. And a year later, when my church went again, uh, to Keswick, I was on my way to Nigeria. Yeah, well, so it was a significant uh, yes, time. Yes, yeah, brilliant. Uh, what about this time? Quite a few years later, I guess it's changed a little bit. Um, but what was encouraging to you for, from the last week? Well, it was lovely. I really enjoyed the week there, especially spending the week with um, a group of my brothers and sisters, Christian brothers and sisters from this church, in a lovely uh, Victorian house with seven bedrooms. I mean, it was, it was a real provision of the Lord that we had that time, that, that space and that time together. So that was really great. And uh, just to be able to be there, there's nothing like singing God's praises with 3,000 other people. It really is so moving. And I suppose it's a foretaste of being in heaven with the Lord. So, But being there for the teaching sessions and meeting other people, and I mean, there was so much good. They've got a lovely new site now. When I was there before, many years ago, and twice subsequently, um, it was a two, uh, it, it enlarged to a two-week uh, convention, but now they have three separate consecutive weeks. But they have been able to buy an old pencil factory, which is, for some reason had gone out of use, and so they have very good spacious facilities for this very large congregation, but also for lots of other activities. Uh, they have um, well, we had morning Bible study on the first eleven chapters of. Genesis, and that was very, very interesting, very encouraging and challenging. Um, there were lots of other activities on during the day, and especially a number of different groups for the youngsters, young people um, of all different age groups. Um, and in the evening, we had uh, studies on the first few books of the first few chapters of Hebrews, and that was very good. Uh, I was with my friend Rita, and we didn't go to the, any afternoon sessions. We just had a, a time to relax. Also, be taken out into the country and have, see the beautiful countryside. But um, it, it was a really great time of being able to relax, but hear God's word, have fellowship with other people. It was it was tremendous. I really it was a great blessing. Brilliant. Would you both recommend others to go next time? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. if you have the opportunity to yeah. go, please do so because there's something for everybody there. There was a huge Christian books. Or, no, not a book stall, a book room with all, many, many lovely Christian books. It was very tempting to buy lots of books. There was also space for a, a really um, large uh, exhibition of Christian agencies doing many different kinds of Christian work. So that was an interesting place to walk around and meet people. Um, oh, and one highlight was when we had a, a lecture from um, 
Fiona Bruce, MP, who is, let me get it right, she's the Prime Minister's um, special envoy for the freedom of religion. So that was a very challenging time. She, she spoke about her work. And, uh, I mean, I already knew quite a bit about that, but to hear from her firsthand was, was great. Uh, she's a Christian, and it was lovely to have her there taking part, wasn't it? Brilliant. Thank you. Well, thank you both for sharing that. Um, it was really helpful to hear. Um, if you want to know more, speak to them afterwards. Um, also, this evening... You want to take a seat, guys? Thank you for thank that. You. This evening, we're going to have a time... Sorry, I'm like, you want to say something? Thank you to Neil and Liz for organising all our house party arrangements and for Liz to doing all the cooking. It was, really, it was a tremendous effort. Thank you. Yeah, next week hopefully we'll have some photos of, of uh, give you a better idea of what goes on. Um, this evening we've got a prayer and praise service and there'll be a chance uh, for people to share uh, some of their own encouragements um, but also encouragements from other things that have been going on in your lives. That's this evening. Well, before the children do go out... Um, we want to take the opportunity to say goodbye to, to Callum's Hash. Um, it's sadly the last Sunday that they're going to be with us. They have had a lot to do with the children and young people during their, their time here. Um, as you may know, they're moving to Buckingham. Their cow is going to become the pastor in training there. And uh, Tasha's going to carry on with her work uh, in the school in, in Oxford. Um, we're not going to interview them again, as we did that just, just recently. Um, but um, we'd like to invite them up there to the front, because we've got a couple of little gifts just to give them as they move on, and for somebody going into training for ministry, felt like books would probably seem to be the appropriate <laughs> gift. Um, do you hope these will be helpful, though, for both of you? Um, by John Stott, edited by Tim Chester, Calling Christian Leaders seems an appropriate uh, book to, to have. Um, but obviously going to leadership, some key things that you should never forget about your ministry in the church. One is... The gospel, a life-changing message, don't forget that. And all that you do, don't forget the gospel. Um, don't forget the beauty of the church. It's a unique gathering of people, a wonderful place, uh, whether it's here in Long Crendon or there in Buckingham or wherever it is the Lord leads you in the future. And finally, um, whether you're a leader in ministry, we are all primarily disciples. We will always will be um, a calling to be Christ-like, um, so don't forget that. And an extra little one for you, Tash. The minister's wife, privileges, pressures, and pitfalls. Um, hope you'll enjoy that. Um, I think since last time you're up here, there has been an answer to prayer. You've now got somewhere to live. Um, just want to comment on that. Um, um, yes, thanks so much for all your prayers. Um, got, yeah. The Lord has provided a house for us right in the centre of Buckingham that is exactly what we were looking for, which we never thought we'd be able to get. So thank you for your prayers. Um, and we continue to give thanks that we've got a place to to do ministry out of for the next few years in Buckingham. Great. And you leave when? Do you... Leaving on Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, so that's Great. what we're doing. Yeah. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for the children as they go out to, to West Club. Let's pray now. Father, we thank you for Callan's Hash. Thank you for all the work they've done amongst the, uh, the children and young people during their time here. Thank you for the training they've received. And we pray for them as they move on into this next stage of their lives, uh, that you continue to equip them to do the ministry you have for them. Uh, continue to help them grow in their faith and may they be a blessing to uh, the people there in Buckingham as um, they are encouraged by them too. And we pray for our children as they go out now. We do pray for them as they learn more about uh, who Jesus is and what is the kingdom of heaven that he came to, to tell us about. So be with them, be with Diana as she leaves them. Bless them now, we pray. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. And um, if the children would like to go out, um, follow Deanna. Uh, Helen Slaymaker is going to lead us in our prayers. Um, after that, Mark Andrews will bring us our reading from Genesis 45, and then Colin will come up and open that up for us. So um, let's uh, come to God now in prayer. Let's, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that your word tells us in Matthew 18:20 that where two or three are gathered in your name, you are there in the midst of them. And so we thank you for your presence with us now and always. <clears throat> we pray for John Billet as he preaches at Cherith Family Service. And we pray for all those who mourn and remember Margaret Burt's family at this time following her funeral and also for Mary John and David. We pray for Colin McIntosh's brother, Ewan. And Lord, we ask your blessing on Gerald and Jean Hunt, who have suffered much ill health. <clears throat> and we remember Robbie and Loveday suffering from COVID. We also bring Cal and Tash to you again, Lord. Thank you for their time with us and the blessing they've been, and we pray that you would bless them as they move to Buckingham and that they'd settle into their new home and environment. Just pray that they'd be a blessing to those in Buckingham as they have been here. We pray for all our young people on holiday from school and the S-Club teachers. We pray for the young people who attended Cape and Ray and all those summer camps. And we pray too for all those who were at Keswick. Thank you that it was such a blessing for them. We thank you, Lord, for our freedom to worship you. And we pray for the work of open doors in the countries where to be a Christian is to be at risk of death. We pray for the leaders of this country, both political and the leaders of your church, that your name would be glorified. We pray, Lord, for anyone who's worried, for people who worry about children, about finances, about elderly relatives, perhaps in the throes of addiction. Lord, people who are troubled, we pray that they'd have courage to ask someone to pray with them before they leave here today. We pray too for our church weekend away in September, that it'll be a time of fellowship and blessing. We pray that all the arrangements would go smoothly. We thank you for all those who work in the church, behind the scenes, making everything happen so smoothly for Helen in the office and Sarah who does the finances. And we thank you, Lord, for our music group and, of course, for pastors and their wives and families. We just thank you for them all, Lord, and for the gift of Holy Communion later. 
We thank you most of all, Lord, for your presence with us. And we just bring all these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Our reading is found this morning in Genesis chapter 45, and it's verses 1 to 15. And I do encourage you this afternoon, take the time to read Genesis 42 to 45. It's a tremendous encouragement to read, and I'm sure some of the teaching that we've received on a Sunday morning will come back to mind as you read through those chapters. And we're just at a very emotional point in the story where the brothers have returned, been brought back because of the cup being found in Benjamin's sack, and they're pleading with this leader in Egypt to let their youngest son go back, otherwise their father would just not survive that loss, that disappointment. And so right now we're just back at that point where the brothers have come back with Benjamin and are about to stand in front of or standing in front of this leader in in Egypt. Genesis 45 verses verse 1. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed. And do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, you and your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves 
and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen, and bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept, and Benjamin embraced him, weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterward, his brothers talked with him. Amen. Thank you, Mark, for reading, and Helen, for your prayers. Let's uh, come to God now in prayer as we come to his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that you are a God who is faithful, a God who is, who is good. And we pray, Father, as we come to your word this morning, that we would see your faithfulness and your goodness to us in all its fullness, in all its color, that we would be transformed by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When it comes to family dynamics, lots of people have very different experiences. Some very good, others less so. For some, they might have perhaps... A bit of a quirky father figure. Uh, Maybe someone who likes to be the the center of attention. Uh, Maybe uh, if you're a son or a daughter, uh, there might be these slightly awkward public displays of affection which make you cringe and want to hide behind the sofa or whatever you are. Uh, Maybe there's a, a strained relationship between you as the daughter and the father and neither of you really quite understand one another. You speak a different language. And so it's a little bit odd at times. Or maybe uh, just when it comes to to family days out, there's events that happen that on the first instance they seem really good, but then things just get out of hand and all of a sudden you just end up arguing, end up arguing with one another. And perhaps uh, your family is full of fun, smiles and laughter, uh, or maybe your family is a little bit fractured at times. Maybe, as in the case of Joseph, uh, there is actually, uh, more seriously, the case of betrayal. And so it seems to break down almost entirely. Or perhaps, uh, despite your best efforts, uh, your family relationships are often at times under strain, under stress and strain. So what hope does God give to us to, to help us to heal our relationships, to help us to restore relationships, both in family and out with. Well, we'll see from from Joseph's life that uh, it is God who works in his life, in his family's life, in their hearts, to bring healing and restoration. Healing and restoration to something that on the surface seems really quite broken. Because God is faithful. He is faithful even in our failures. And so we can call on him today we can call on him and believe that God is always faithful. God is always faithful. As we'll see that firstly, God convicts us of our sin. The story of Joseph, well, it teaches us how God can work in our lives in ways that we at times do not understand. Joseph, he's hated by his brothers. He's sold into slavery, falsely accused, and then thrown into prison. And whilst he's there, he interprets these two dreams with his fellow inmates. 
then they hear about they, they are released or one is released and then he interprets the dreams of Pharaoh because of the insight and the wisdom that God has given him Pharaoh gives him authority it gives him authority and power to manage all the grain stores throughout the, the seven years of abundance and the foretold seven years of famine in all these things God is with Joseph and he gives him favor and following on from this, in chapter 42, well, we continue the story as Jacob, who's also called Israel, he learns of the abundant grain in Egypt. He tells his sons to, to go and get supplies. And so the, the ten brothers, as it is, they leave their father, leave their, the youngest brother, Benjamin, at home. When they arrive in, in Egypt, uh, Joseph, he recognizes them. But they don't recognize, but he, but they don't recognize him. They bow down before him, fulfilling his dream in Genesis 37. The brothers, they ask to buy food, but three times Joseph accuses them of being spies. He does this because he wants to see if they are really true to their word. That they are not lying, that they're not deceitful as they once were. As he says, if you're honest men, then let one of your brothers stay here in prison whilst you go home. Drop off the grain at home and bring your brother, your youngest brother, Benjamin, back. Joseph, he wants to test them. To test them and discover if they really are honest. Have they really changed their ways? Or are they still like the old ways? Deceitful. Because it's under the pressure for truth that they fall under conviction. The conviction of sin. As they say to one another in verse 21. Surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life. But we would not listen. That's why this distress has come on us. Like a, a good lawyer in a courtroom, Joseph is pressing them. He wants to pile on the pressure that they would confess, if you like, confess to what they've done. Will they, will they break and be honest? Or will they try and be deceitful as they were years before with Joseph? And this is where we really see the, the hand of God at, at work in the lives of Joseph and his brothers. Because his brothers, they realize their guilt. They know they have done wrong and they know there are consequences. As one of the brothers, Reuben, replied in verse 22, didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy, against Joseph? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. They, they know they are guilty. They know that they have to ultimately give an account, an account to God. Because God is at work convicting them of sin. Some people might say today, well, we don't need to talk about sin. We just need to talk about, about love. God is love. Just speak about God's love. But can you see that to not talk about sin is actually not loving? It's like a parent who perhaps just gives compliments to their toddler but never actually warns them not to poke their fingers in the plug sockets because to do so brings harm. 
To speak of sin is to warn of a reality, the reality of judgment. That we will one day ultimately give an account. We will give an account to God on that final day. Because it's only really when we realize our sinful hearts do we in any way come to comprehend why Jesus would come. Only when we realize how sinful we are before a holy God do we understand the goodness of God's grace. As God is always faithful because he convicts us of our sin. And secondly, God overwhelms us by his grace. Where you see the story of Joseph, he could easily have been overwhelmed by vengeance. But he is not. He's not overwhelmed by vengeance, but instead he shows mercy. He shows grace in abundance. As Joseph, he gives orders for for grain to be given to his brothers and for all the silver that they brought to be returned to them. As one of the the brothers on the way back, uh, they say, my silver has been returned, he said to his brothers. Here it is in my sack. Uh, Their hearts sank and they turned to each other trembling and said, what is this that God has done to us? They are amazed by what happens. They cannot understand it. And later in chapter 43, verse 12, they say, well, perhaps it was a mistake. Perhaps it was a mistake that Joseph or the servants did this. But when they look to buy more with the second batch of silver, as they return and get Simeon out of jail, Joseph stewards, he says to them, it's all right, he said, don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father, has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. And then he brought Simeon out to them. Truly, all of this favor, it doesn't come from Joseph. It comes from God. Because God is gracious. He gives them what they do not deserve. That is God's grace. That we receive what we do not deserve. And so they're taken in, the brothers are taken in to be washed before they eat. And then they're seated in order of age with the youngest first. And they look around, as they say, astonished in verse 33. And we're told in verse 34, when portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else's. And so they feasted and drank freely with them. We're not told exactly why uh, Benjamin's portion is much more. Perhaps he's trying to test his brothers. But more likely he's just trying to show favor to them. He's trying to show love. Joseph overwhelms his brothers. He overwhelms them because they know that they are guilty. And yet they don't receive the punishment that they justly deserve. But instead, they receive far more. They deserve judgment, but they receive mercy. They deserve justice, but instead receive grace. And who ultimately does it come from? Well, it doesn't come from Joseph, does it? It comes from God. Because as the Psalms say again and again, the Lord is compassionate 
and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. This is the heart of God. Grace is God's unmerited favor extended to us. Only when we see the grace of God in Jesus would we ever think of confessing our sin to him. As we come to God, just like Jesus' brothers, astounded by God's grace to us, why would he treat us the way he does? We don't deserve it. And this is the thing that can break any steel-cold heart. The grace of God. To know that even when we have failed again and again and again, fallen into sin for the hundredth time, God will still receive us. Because like the prodigal son, God's heart is always turned towards us. His face is always for us. Never against us. Someone asked me last week, how long have you been married now? Um, To which I said, six weeks. Still alive, they said. (laughs) But... Yes, I laughed. By God's grace, I said yes. Because many of you know that uh, never more is your sin put on full display than in the relationship of marriage. Uh, And yet, if your marriage is grounded in the grace of God, then it is a safe place to confess your sin and be reconciled to one another. Only when you are truly overwhelmed by the grace of God will it lead you to confess to be reconciled to one another and to live a transformed life, both as an individual, in a marriage, and in a family. Because every day that we live is not a day of vengeance and fault-finding. It is a day of grace. That we would step into that. A fresh start every day. The grace of God to us. It changed Joseph's life and that of his brother's And God's grace can change your life too. As the Puritan Richard Sibbs once said, there is more mercy in Christ than there is sin in us. Because when we are overwhelmed by the grace of God in Jesus, it will change your life. As we believe that God is always faithful because he convicts us of our sin, he overwhelms us by his grace And thirdly, God forgives us by his love. In chapter 43, as the famine continues, uh, the brothers, well, they need to go back to Joseph in Egypt for supplies for a second time. But Joseph had told them, well, don't return if if you don't bring your younger brother, Benjamin. And it's really in this place, in this chapter, that we see the heart of Judah change. Where once he was someone who who sought to sell his brother into slavery. Now he responds to his father in verse 9 of chapter 43, as he speaks of Benjamin saying, I myself will guarantee his safety. You can hold me personally responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him here before you, I will bear the blame before you all my life. Where once uh, Judah had really sought to get rid of his brother, Joseph, now he's saying, I'll bear the blame for his brother if he doesn't bring him back. And this is truly the grace of God at work 
in the heart of Judah. And it points to that bigger and greater and ultimate sacrifice of the Lord Jesus laying down his life for his people. He took the punishment that our sins deserve upon the cross that we would be brought back to our father. Not our father in Canaan, but our father in heaven. Because even though it was Judah who was the one who was the instigator in encouraging his brothers to sell Joseph into slavery, ultimately it was God who was in control. Even in the wicked acts of his brothers, God was in control. Because when Joseph tells his brothers why all this happened, he tells them three times in chapter 45, from verse 5 to 9, God sent me. God sent me. Because even in all the wickedness that Joseph had experienced, all the cruelty that he'd suffered, even being sold into slavery, being unjustly imprisoned, he could still see God's hand in his life. Because God had sent him ahead of his brothers so that he would provide for many more. And so, in a, in a sense, we can see God's hand in our lives, in all things as well. Let us underline that God is never the author of evil, never the author of evil. God is good, but he will use evil for his purposes, for the good of those he loves. As he uses the lives of both Judah and Joseph to display the power of the grace and the forgiveness of God. As God is, he is sovereign in everything and sending Israel's sons uh, to Joseph in Egypt uh, to save many. Just as God is sovereign in sending Jesus Christ into the world to save many more. As when talking to religious people of the day in, in John 6, Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. As where Joseph was sent to, to save many from temporary starvation, Jesus was sent to provide eternal salvation. When we believe in his name and confess him as Lord, then we receive that gift. As God forgives us by his love, Jesus lays his life down for us. The pinnacle of love. As lastly, we can believe that God is faithful because God forgives us all of our sin, because God forgives us by his love. And fourthly, God reveals to us his glory. In chapter 45, which Mark had read there, Joseph, having allured his brothers back by hiding his silver cup in their bag, he cannot help but reveal himself to his brothers. As a writer of Genesis, who's Moses, he wants to underline the point that everyone left Joseph uh, when he revealed himself, as he says in verse 1. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And so he reveals himself to them in private. And yet, when he says to them, I am Joseph, we're told that his brothers were absolutely terrified of him, probably because of his position and power. 
And yet he still calls his brothers to come close to him, to draw near to him. As amazingly, he says to them, don't, don't be angry with yourselves of what you've done in selling me into slavery. Because actually it was God that sent me here. You might have used it for wickedness. You might have planned it in your wicked scheme. But God has used it for good. As he says in verse 7, But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a great remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Joseph was sent to preserve a remnant of people and save many. And he tells his brothers to go and tell my father or our father that Joseph is now Lord of all Egypt and that he will provide. And so he and his brothers, well, they they wept together with joy and even Pharaoh and all the Egyptians, they heard about it. And they gave Joseph and his family the fat of the land, the very best of the land. As eventually we're told just at the very end of the chapter, chapter 45, that his brothers, they go to their father and say, Joseph is alive and he is the ruler of Egypt. Only when their father, he sees the carts which were sent by Joseph, did the spirit, his spirit revive him and say, my son Joseph, he's alive. But as we look at the life of Joseph, we can see that his life is really a foreshadow of one who was to come. Because after the crucifixion, Jesus walked among his disciples, but they did not recognize him. Jesus revealed himself not to, 12, not to 11 brothers, but to 11 disciples. Where Joseph's brothers were terrified when he revealed himself, Jesus' disciples were also frightened. And yet he said to them, peace be with you. Where Joseph called his brothers to come close to him, to be reconciled to him. Jesus calls his disciples to come closer, to touch him, and to be reconciled, to see the holes in his hands. As through his death and his resurrection, Jesus reveals his glory. As he tells his disciples, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As all things, the suffering and betrayal of Joseph by his brothers and the betrayal of Jesus by his disciples, it finds the fulfillment at the cross. All this happened to fulfill scripture and display that everything in human history pointed to this, to the glory of God at the cross. Jesus' suffering and death was not meaningless because he was raised in glory. And this is why Jesus had come to fulfill all of Scripture, including the books of Moses, which include Genesis. And just as Joseph's father finally believed that Joseph was alive, he had seen the carts that Joseph had sent back. And so too, Jesus came to the disciple Thomas and said, put your finger here, put your hands here. Reach out and put your hand in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas replied, my Lord 
and my God. Because where Jacob declared, my son is alive, so we too today, in light of the resurrection, can say, Jesus is alive. He has declared victory over sin and death. The Lord Jesus reigns not over Egypt, but all the whole world, every nation. He is Lord, and he has nailed our sins to the cross in full, declaring victory through his resurrection. That we come to Jesus in faith as forgiven people. And so, as we think of ourselves, the failures that we may have had in our lives, whatever it may be, whatever thing it may be, even things that we can't even admit at times to ourselves, God knows and God can forgive you of all those things as we come to him and receive his forgiveness. Whatever guilt you might be carrying, be it small, be it large, we can bring them to to the Lord Jesus who forgives us because Jesus reveals the glory of God to us that we might know the love of God in all its fullness as we hear the words of Jesus calling us to come close to him, to draw near to him, to receive his loving kindness afresh and know that God is faithful in all our failures because Jesus lives and we have hope. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the hope of the resurrection. We thank you that Jesus is alive, that he reigns and rules over everything. And we thank you, Lord, that as we come to Jesus, we receive that forgiveness in him. And we thank you, Lord, for the way in which you do convict us of sin, that you draw us to yourself, that we would receive your forgiveness afresh, receive your grace as we lift our eyes to see you in all your glory as you have been raised to life defeating sin satan and death that we might have hope in your name lord help us to lay down our burdens before you to receive that afresh in jesus name we pray amen Well, please, if you'd love to, uh, like to pray with someone about anything from this morning or maybe there's things on your heart, please do pray with the ministry team. There'll be people with red lanyards uh, after the service here. And also, uh, please stay around, stay around for refreshments afterwards. It'd be great to get to know you better and spend time together. Let me close in prayer. And Father God, we thank you that, they, that we have a living hope uh, through the Lord Jesus, through his life, his death, and his resurrection that we can look at our failures and say that you have conquered them. You have forgiven us, that we can walk into your grace each day. And we thank you, Lord, for your amazing love. In Jesus' name, amen.